Northwest welcome to Dr. Brian Simmons this morning as he comes to minister the word. Thank you. Thank you. While you're standing, let's, you know, we, we've had a tremendous commissioning ordination. Wasn't that awesome, man? Chris and Brianna, so proud of you and your children and your, your family that's growing. But I want us to honor your pastors, really. You know, we, we get to travel a lot. We, yeah, go ahead. Honor them. Come on, cut loose. Give it up. I mean, they're bigger than the Seahawks, baby. Come on. We bless them. We bless them. We bless them. We speak life, long life, joy, peace that has no end. Thank you, God. I hope you'll take care of them and love them. Really, love them more. Why don't you just shout out, we love you, pastors. Let's do it again. That's better than Mufasa. This is awesome. Let's say it again. All right. Be seated in the heavenly places. And thank you so kindly. We've had tr- three tremendous days uh, just, just off the chart. And uh, I know we've been exhorted to throw away our, our clock. You know, for some reason, I, I always, you know, I, I like watches. I, I've got like a couple of really nice watches. I left them all behind this weekend. I got on the plane. We got up at 3 in the morning to catch the flight to come up here. And uh, I didn't have the wherewithal to get my, my clock, my watches. So maybe that is prophetic. Candace, you're looking so beautiful. Isn't she gorgeous? Good morning. We love you all. We had a great weekend. And I just want to say that we're just going to carry you back in our hearts. That's what we do when we meet new people that we fall in love with. And... Uh, so many of you have ta- I've spoken with you and taken your prayer requests to heart, praying for you. But I have a word for you for the, this year. My husband wanted me to share, and I'm going to crunch it. So I'm not going to give you all the dreams or the details, but we're just going to release it. And then I had like five things for the church for dreams last night. So we're just going to hurry, quickly go through them. The Lord said, for 2016, the old familiar things around us will begin to change. This will be a year of rapid change. And in the midst of the changes, you may want to put up a fight and try to resist, but it's time to let go. God has a greater plan than ours, and he's recentering and refocusing us. Number two, it's a year of new courage and boldness. He's filling you with courage and boldness so that you'll be able to face the things that you were unable to face last year. It's a Manasseh year. He's moving you forward and setting you free of the things that may have troubled you last year. This year, I'm going to, this year will be a Manasseh year, which means God made you to forget all your troubles. You're moving into a a time of great fruitfulness, a year of his love, which we've been talking about, a love he's highlighting through the book of John, the epistles of John, and the song of songs, John 3.16, a greater love for the nations. Number five, it's a year to finish. I dream that our Father is carrying us over the finish line. This is your year to finish many things that you were unable to finish the last few years. The Lord says, I'm coming with a kiss that will sweep you off of your feet and will leave you with a new lease 
on life and a new energy. He will kiss you with all types of kisses, each one tailor-made for your individual situation that will allow you to be carried. And if you don't resist his tender advances, he will bring you into a place of deeper revelation of his purpose and plan on this earth. Number seven is a year to soar. It's a time for you to take off. This year you will leave the problems of this earth for you're going to soar above all of the enemy would try to hold you down with and hold you back. Number nine is a year of increased unity and community in the body. All the past things that you've done to, to uh, commune with him and the body in it will go to a deeper level level this year you will see glimmers of john 17 the unity prayer of christ will begin to happen in your midst things that you tried to instigate for years will now begin to emerge for this is a time to enjoy the bread of his presence and to move into a new communion with him on levels that you never dreamed or imagined and 11 the year of revelation and faith aligning in your hearts instead of having to wait for a word from your favorite prophet to come. You will gather your manna daily. This is a time to hear God for yourself and to walk it out in faith. And then last night he said, this is a time of new authority. New, this is for the body in particular for you. A new authority, a new rest, a new sense of family, a new fire, and a new glory. So, Lord, we just release all of this over this beautiful congregation, Father. We thank you, Lord. You have so much for us, Lord. And we just grab a hold of it, Lord, and we go forward in you this year, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that it's a time of moving forward, finishing, Lord Jesus, communing, going to a deeper level of unity, Lord. Thank you. It's a year of family and release, and it's a time for us to soar. And I just release it over this wonderful, beautiful body in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, sweetheart. Very good. Very good. Well, if this is the first time uh, you've met us, good morning. It's good to meet you. Uh, My wife and I have been um, married for 44 years. We've got a wonderful family, beautiful family, just like yours. Maybe different, but anyway, uh, we're blessed. We are extraordinarily blessed. We got married uh, very young. Uh, obviously, like maybe 13 to have great-grandchildren at 40. Here we are at 40-something-ish. But um, we love coming to Seattle. We love this region. God is really going to birth something powerful. And uh, I won't keep you long, although there's not a playoff game today, so sorry. Uh, Maybe I should prophesy the Seahawks are going to win next year. They will. They will win a game next year for sure. <laughs> and we'll, we'll see where they go from there. But, uh, yeah, we, we love you guys. Our spiritual son is such a fan of uh, the Seahawks that I actually got this really cool uh, sweatshirt, jersey-type thing and got my picture taken with it, texted him yesterday, and he said, finally, I've been waiting for years for you to finally get the picture. Anyway, so it's, it's a blessing to us to be here. Uh, we've had three careers in our ministry. We have been tribal missionaries. We were church planters in the jungle for a number of years. We were tribal um, missionaries learning their language and culture. I was a field consultant and helped other missionaries with learning language. I had a gift I didn't even realize I had until I got there. Uh, I had been trained in linguistics, so uh, I've been kind of bent that direction from uh, the day we were born again. And uh, we fell in love with the scriptures. My wife and I memorized psalms together, the first 30 psalms, the first year we were married, uh, the book of James, the first year we were married. And we would read the Bible, traveling in cars, wherever we went. We were just Bible freaks. I didn't know much about 
Espiritu Santo. I, I, I didn't know the Holy Spirit very well. I was a Baptist. Is that okay? Will you forgive me here? I'm coming out of the closet to let you know that. But uh, the Lord met us in the jungle. Spirit fell on us. He led us by the audible voice of God. He brought us back to North America. We pastored a church in Connecticut outside of Yale University, minutes from the campus there, and, and uh, had a tremendous 18 years of pastoring this awesome church called Gateway, still flourishing today. God is so good to us. But after uh, you know, raising that church to where God wanted us to take it, uh, we knew it was time to turn it over. So our son-in-law and daughter took the church. And for those of you that know our story, this was the daughter that was uh, dying of a snake bite in the jungle, and God miraculously healed her. And she and her husband, a brilliant man, he married our daughter. And uh, <laughs> they took the church and have done a great job, and, and we're just so thankful. It's great to be a papa. It's just really great. You know, we've been called a lot of names, but the one name we love the most is, is mom and dad. We just love it. So my wife said she's gonna, we're going to carry us, carry you in our hearts as we leave. We mean that. We're going to carry you as a congregation. And I just so love your pastors. They're such tremendous, virtuous, uh, sacrificial servants of the cross. They live for you. They live for the gospel. They live for the king of kings. And they're laying their lives down, literally, for you. So please honor them, take care of them, raise their salary, do more to bless them. Send them on cruises, really. Let them know. Love on them. So silly love that uh, they'll never leave you. How's that? Amen. That'll be great. Uh, So after pastoring, we turned the church over 2009. And through a very supernatural encounter with the Lord, I began this process. He commissioned me to do this translation project, and it's phenomenal what the the the, um, the response I get. It used to be I'd get an email a day. Now I get five emails every day from people around the world that are reading the Passion Translation. Many of them in tears. They said, "I I don't read my Bible for years. I quit reading the Bible. I couldn't understand it, but I picked up the Passion Translation. Suddenly, it came alive in my heart." And I'm feeling the romance of God. I'm feeling the passion of God for my heart. It's about my heart, not my mind. He, he doesn't want, uh, you know, slaves or servants. He wants lovers, sons and daughters of the living God. So we're thrilled to offer you the Passion Translation. And uh, is Karen here? Do, are you seated here somewhere, Karen? Karen is part of our team. There she is in the back. Would you honor uh, one of our team members, Karen? She flew from Los Angeles on her own dime to be here with us and to uh, help us at the book table. Thank you, Karen. Would you honor her? Thank you. She has been in ministry. She is a pastor. So, folks, when I say team member, I don't mean just we, you know, we lassoed somebody to uh, work at the book table. The, the, the team members we have, we have a dozen of them down in L.A. They're, they're all ministry uh, people that can pray for the sick, raise the dead, cast out things that need to be cast out, and put in you what needs to be put in you. But uh, I want to give this to a friend of mine here today, Philippians, uh, Ephesians, Galatians, Philippians, Colossians, First and Second Timothy. Uh, rather, I was going to read some of it, but rather than do that, let me just give it to you, my friend. You guys are awesome. Love you, friend. Bless you. Yeah. And I want to give this to somebody that's under 100. <laughs> no, I gave you one the other day, didn't I? I never... Dude. Yeah, but it's, a, it's like a girly romance, I love you Jesus book. You, you'll still read it? I'm okay with that. All right. 
divine romance in Jesus' name. You're going to be filled with some divine romance. He could use some divine romance, couldn't he? Amen. Amen. Bless you, friend. (laughs) All right. Would you all stand for a moment? (laughs) You're a good man. You know that? In spite of what everybody else says, you are a really good man. (laughs) Oh, it's getting worse up here. Thank you, Jesus. I like this, Pastor Duane. It's good Bible. Not the Passion Translation, but it'll be out in about 2017. I want to come back here and give you uh, the opportunity to, to get your own leather-bound Passion Translation. I, I, I tremble when I think about this, folks. And I know I'm not apologizing for talking about it because it's going to change the world. It's a revival Bible that is for a coming generation. And if you choose not, never to read it because you, don't, you like a certain translation, that's fine. Keep reading that translation. But your kids and grandkids are really going to love it. So uh, there is a revival generation that's being awakened by the Spirit. And a fresh wind on the Word of God is going to stir hearts of tender ones to come as lovers at the feet of Jesus and give them everything. Would you lift your hands up, please, like you're going to be raptured or something? And... Uh, I just want to just say some things over you and pray, and then I'll get into my very shortened four-hour sermon today. Father, I pray that this church will be the most hope-filled congregation, not only in Fife, but in the entire Northwest. I pray they will export hope to the nations. I pray for an import-export business to come out of this church, importing glory from heaven and exporting it out to the nations of the earth. Lord, fill the hearts of each one here. Drive out discouragement. Break every stronghold of depression. Lord, even those in this room, and we do not condemn them, but any in this room that need medication because of Fear and despondency and depression and grief. I break that need off of them that they will encounter the living Christ in such a powerful way today. Lord, that their heart will be so effervescent, bubbling up with a joy from the nose to their toes. A joy that can't be contained. Break loose, Lord, in a supernatural way. Demolish strongholds of hopelessness. And fill us, God, with living hope today in Jesus' name. Amen. Now you can have a seat. Thank you, guys. Uh, I want to share, and I have been sharing here the last uh, couple of days. Friday, if you were here, Friday night, I spoke on faith. I said 2016 is going to be a year of outrageous faith. God has a plan to give you more faith than you ever thought you'd have. You're going to be a faith-filled believer. I know you're underwhelmed as I say this, but you're going to be so filled with a supernatural faith that no matter what the enemy throws at you, no matter what the economy uh, may, the ripples that may come through the economic structures of the nations, you're going to have a faith that is going to succeed in all things. And then last night, I shared about love. And man, we had kisses from God. I mean... Jehovah smack you came into the room. This, we were devastated. I as well. I, I, I just was wrecked by the love of God. But today, I'm taking it out of order a little bit because it's faith, hope, and love. I did faith and love, but I want to leave you with hope. Yes. 
I want to leave you with a short message on hope today. That this is going to be a, the most ridiculous, ridiculously fantastic year you have ever had. And I'm saying that specifically to Pastor Dwayne and Pastor Joel. That this is going to be the most ridiculously fantastic year full of joy. I'm brushing my teeth in the Hampton Inn. And the Lord says, tell the pastors they're going to have so much joy this year, they're not even ready for it. They're not even expecting it. It's going to catch you off guard. You're going to have a joy revival sweep over this house. And it's going to be birthed in hope, birthed in faith-filled prayers, but a bubbly joy, joy, joy down in your heart is going to rise up in this church. You're going to be known as the happy church. I wouldn't be surprised you talk, you change the name to the new horizon of happiness church. And it's about time up here in the Northwest, you got some joy. So it's going to be a year of outrageous faith, triumphant hope, and extravagant love. But you have to have the right perspective. I see the Lord aligning your perspective. You need to have a divine chiropractor pop you into joint again, pop you back into alignment, that you have the right perspective. I love Psalm 34, verse 1. You know, you can't complain and praise at the same time. You're either going to do one or the other. You're going to complain. You're going to be critical. You know, everything's horrible. It stinks. Or you're going to be praising. You're going to wake up. You know, you heard about the, the divorce court. You know, the, the, uh, the judge asked the wife. And, and at the divorce proceedings, she said, well, uh, is it true you wake up grumpy every morning? She said, no, I let him sleep. Is it true you wake up grumpy every morning? Rumor has it, you need to get out of that thing. You need to come into the place of praise. My wife and I made the agreement this morning that we would have a contest for the rest of this year of the first one, not only to wake up, but the first one that would encourage the other with praise. We're committed, my wife and I, to be the most encouragement source of blessing to each other. And I'm telling you, let's just see what happens throughout the year, okay? I think I'm going to win, but that's all right. You, you, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll get grumpy over our happiness here. But um, I love Psalm 34. One says, Lord, I'm bursting with joy over what you've done for me. My lips are full of perpetual praise. This is the year of perpetual praise. Stop looking at the politics. Stop looking at the weather. Stop looking of losing the... Pl- I mean... I shouldn't bring that up. Stop looking at, at things that are discouraging you and get the proper perspective. And if you will get the proper perspective, God is going to send you a revival between now and the end of March. By the end of March, this church is going to be hit and smacked with a move of the Holy Spirit. We got maybe a dozen people that have faith. I need to re-preach that outrageous faith me- message again. But I'm telling you, around Easter, there's going to be something hit this house. Now, I prophesied this similar message uh, three years ago to a church, and the Lord told me to tell them. He said, tell the pastor. It was a wonderful assembly of God, large church uh, up in the uh, northeast. And he said, tell the pastor these words. Tell them this. 
I'm going to send a move of the Spirit on Easter Sunday to this church. And even as I prophesy it to you, the Lord said that they won't believe it. He said, you're going to speak it over the people, and the pastor won't believe it, and the people won't believe it. They'll give their golf clap, but they will not believe the prophetic word you bring them. I said, you want me to bring it? He said, you tell them I'm going to send a move of the Spirit. They're not ready for it. He said, there will be a traffic jam outside of their church, and I prophesied a number of things. Well, guess what? Easter Sunday came. They were so overrun with people that the cars had jammed the traffic outside the church. Every toilet was running over in the house. All the, the kids' rooms, where they usually have maybe 50 kids in one of the sections, they had 150 kids, and the teachers were freaking out. They were just going nuts. And, 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 and there was hundreds of people saved that Sunday. The church took a huge step forward with salvation. And it's still going even this day. They're now building a 1,200-seat sanctuary. That they will, it will be too small as soon as they move into it. Having said that, there's going to be a move of God shortly around Easter and the week after that's going to hit this house, and some of you are not ready for the evangelism that's going to hit. You're going to have multi-ethnic revival glory hit this place, and you're going to be on the map in the Northwest. You've said yes to God, so don't stop now. You're going to get a lot more than you bargained for, says the Lord. That's, that's, yeah, don't, don't be like this church that had to call me up on Easter. The pastor's like, like, I couldn't get him off the phone. I said, Glenn, I'm sorry. I, I got to go watch a game here. Leave me alone, bro. And he's just telling me, he said, you won't believe. I said, I believe it because I told you. I saw it. God told me to tell you. Well, I'm glad you have the right perspective. You know, it's so funny how, how you, two people can look at something entirely different all right i'm going to read you a letter and i think you're going to get the message of having the right perspective you guys have like camps up here summer camps where kids go to camps oh it's so beautiful up here well this was a a 11 year old boy that his first year went to camp and here's the letter he sent home to mom so you can probably understand how the mother heard this letter dear mom our scoutmaster told us all to write our parents in case you saw the flood on TV and are worried. We're okay. Only one of our tents and two sleeping bags got washed away. Luckily, none of us got drowned because we were all up on the mountain looking for Chad when it happened. Oh, yes, please call Chad's mother and tell her he's okay. He can't write because of the cast. I got to ride in one of the search and rescue jeeps. It was really neat. Oh, Mom, did you know that if you put gas on a fire, the gas can will blow up? The wet wood still didn't burn, but one of our tents did, also some of our clothes. John is going to look really weird until his hair grows back. Oh, I used my toothbrush to dig for worms, but don't freak out. The guy in the bottom bunk let me borrow his. I don't know his name, but he's a nice guy. He can burp the alphabet like I can. 11-year-old humor. We'll be home on Saturday if Scoutmaster Walt gets the car fixed. It wasn't his fault about the wreck. The brakes worked okay when we left. Scoutmaster Walt said that a car that old, you, you have to expect something to break down. 
That's probably why he can't get insurance on it. This morning, all of the guys were driving, or diving. All of the guys, all of us guys were diving off the rocks and swimming out in the lake. Guess what? We all passed our first aid merit badges. Because when Dave dove in the lake, his leg was sliced open. So we got to see how a tourniquet works. Also, Wade and I threw up. Scoutmaster Walt said it was probably just food poisoning from the leftover chicken. He said they got sick that way too with the food they ate in prison. I'm so glad Scoutmaster Walt got out and became our Scoutmaster. He said he sure figured out how to get things done better while he was doing his time. I have to go now, Mom. We're going into town to mail our letters and buy bullets. Love, Cole. P.S. How long has it been since I had a tetanus shot? (laughs) Oh, I tell you, Mom, it's all about perspective. I mean, it's all a matter of perspective. When you hear reports of bad things on the horizon, I want you to put it in perspective. That a greater glory is going to come upon you. Discouragement is the greatest enemy of your life mission. It's the number one enemy of your life is discouragement. Really, folks, it is horrible. It's despicable. I've never known God to use a discouraged person. He doesn't do it. He's going to use you when you come up out of that cave, that that pit that you've been living in, and you rise up and you say, God plus nothing is enough for me. I have all I need in Jesus Christ. Listen, you're here today. You are not homeless. You have a home. You have a measure of health. Some of you have glowing health. We have so much to be thankful for. You are breathing. You are sitting in this chair for a few minutes longer, and you're experiencing the joy of the Lord, the precious fellowship of Jesus Christ. I'm going to keep going until you get this. There's so much to be thankful for. You have so many jolly things about your life. You don't need to wait for Christmas. You can take the joy of the Lord, the blessing of God. You can see God in every situation. There's enough of God in your situation right now that you can focus on that. Set your heart and your mind on things above. The Lord spoke to me a while back, and, he, and I was, when I was pastoring, and I said, Lord, I need a heart bigger. I need a bigger heart. I've got a church of over 2,000 people. They, they come. I don't even know why they come. And I would tell them on Sundays, I said, I don't know who all of you are. I've never pastored a church this big. So I'm sure to disappoint you. And they still come back. It was nuts. I would go on vacation. It would grow. I'd go, wait a second. You can't join the church. You haven't met. You don't know how bad I am. You've got to find out first. But anyway, we had such fun. I've got friends from our church right here sitting with us that remember those days we had at Gateway back in New England. And we determined that we would break through that Connecticut crud, that New England nasty, starched, stiff, Yankee. We broke through it, and the joy of the Lord came. We had Yale students coming, professors coming into our meetings, and they were smacked by God. We had some of the best worship you could ever taste. Heaven came down. We went halfway across the sky in our meetings and connected with God. The Lord stepped down into those places and met with us, and he's going to do it right here too. If you will change your mind, is what he told me. He said, Brian, if you will change your mind, I will change your heart. 
I can't change my heart, but I can change my mind. I can change my perspective. I can determine to praise, to be thankful, to be full of hope, to know that good is coming in my life, not evil. And that the greatest news of the last days is God's not done with you yet. And good is going to come to you. It really is. He's put a bullseye on you. He knows the plans he has for you. They're plans to bless you, plans to encourage you, to bless your children, to bless your families, your finances, your health, to heal your body, to raise up more believers in the Northwest that will carry the glory of God. There is a revival brewing in the atmosphere over this house. And you need to touch the hope of God to be filled with this living hope. Let me finish by reading out of the book of Romans that you're going to go over and get the last four copies or whatever is over there. And uh, thou shalt read the book of Romans in the Passion Translation. I would never want to hype anything. But I'll just say this. I had an angel visit me from heaven when I asked God to help me with Romans. It's such a difficult book to translate because Paul is a genius. It's a masterpiece of Pauline theology. It's the, the, it's the tour de force of the New Testament. It's the absolute highest pinnacle of revelatory truth that Paul ever uh, composed. And I got three or four verses into it and I, I said, God, I've never wanted to quit this project, but you're going to have to help me. That night at two in the morning, an angel came into my room and woke me up. Is that okay in this Presbyterian church? I talk about <laughs> angels coming. angel from God. He says, I have come from the presence of God. This was not my guardian angel. This was not on earth. This was from the throne room. He says, I have come from the presence of God to help you with the translation. And uh, I finished it in such a quick period of time. Our publishers were caught flat-footed. They couldn't believe I'd handed the manuscript to them. They weren't ready. The editors were busy doing other stuff, but we, we got it finished and out. So I'd never want to hype it. But you ought to read the book of Romans. Our faith, this is Romans 5, verse 1. Our faith in Jesus transfers God's righteousness to us. And now he declares us flawless in his eyes. Our faith in Jesus, our first night we spoke about faith. Our faith in Jesus transfers God's righteousness to us. And now he declares us flawless in his eyes. This means we can now enjoy true and lasting peace with God. All because of what our Lord Jesus, the anointed one, has done for us. Our faith guarantees us access into this marvelous kindness that has given us a perfect relationship with God. What incredible joy bursts forth within us as we keep on celebrating our hope of God's glory. There's hope. But that's not all. Even in times of trouble, we have a joyful confidence, knowing that our pressures will develop in us patient endurance. And patient endurance will refine our character. And proven character leads us back to hope. And this hope is not a disappointing fantasy. Because we can now experience the endless love of God cascading into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. That's love. Faith, hope, and love. So God says, look at me, not circumstances. 
Fix your gaze on the eternal. Turn away. Lift your eyes off of the situation in front of you. Your worry will not fix it. It will not help it. It will not make it better. Somebody told me years ago that worry is the, is the most simple form of insanity. Because we are consumed with things we cannot control and won't happen. Did you know the Anglo-Saxon word for worry is literally to be strangled? To be choked? And that's what worry does. It chokes the life of the spirit in us. I mean, you're going to... I'm not talking about whistling past a graveyard. I'm talking about singing and worshiping your way into a realm where you are untouchable. A year of frustration-free living is in front of you if you will change your perspective. So let me review uh, what I read out of Romans, and then we'll pray, and, and heaven will come down. First of all, faith has transferred God's righteousness to us. Isn't that beautiful? You are sitting here in this room and you are a lookalike of Jesus Christ. You literally are as righteous in God's eyes as the Son of God. You look like Jesus in the eyes of the Father. You are, uh, you are free from sin in His eyes. There is no sin that has come between you and God. Righteousness is now upon you. How does it feel? To be as righteous as Jesus Christ. Secondly, he now declares us flawless in his eyes. Because of this righteousness, there is no flaw that hinders our relationship with him. No sin, no flaw. It gets better. Number three, we can enjoy true and lasting peace with God. We can enjoy, that's the key word to circle, we can enjoy true and lasting peace with God. No struggle. Number four, Our faith guarantees us permanent access into God's marvelous kindness. No veil. Number five, we have a perfect relationship with God. You can't be any closer to God than what you are right now in His eyes. You have a perfect relationship with God. This is crazy. This is so glorious. There is no no failure, no sin, no flaw, no struggle, no veil, no failure. Number six, joy bursts forth within us when we understand this. No gloom. There's no more gloom. I love Isaiah 9 verse 1. No more gloom for the people of God. Those who sat in darkness will see a great light. There is no more gloom for you throughout 2016. You're going to have the most ridiculously wonderful, fantastic year you've ever had in your life, Pastor Dwayne and Joel and family. And if the rest of you want that, tap into it. You can get it too. And number seven, we keep on celebrating our hope of experiencing God's glory. That's no disappointment, no sin, no flaw. No struggle, no veil, no failure, no gloom, no disappointment. There's a Hebrew word to describe that. It's called wowzers. And the Hebrew word wowzers means literally, I can hardly believe all these goodies are mine. So I just gave you a Hebrew lesson here. Everybody say wowzers. Oh, yeah. I, I can't believe that I have this. You see, that's what God does is he... he 
he puts a crown on our head and watches us grow up to fit it. He gives us every blessing when we don't even know it. And decades later, we figure it out. You see, the church will, will bless you after you performed at times. Religion, let me say, the religion will, will reward you after you have done your duty. God blesses you, puts eternity in your heart, fills you with glory, a robe of righteousness, the favor greater than Joseph wore. The very first day you come to know Jesus. The newest believer in this room is the most illustrious saint in the eyes of God. And the, the, the kingdom of God is so upside down from the kingdom of religion and the kingdom of men. And the blessing comes not because of what we do. Do this and do that. It's, it's like do, do. But it's grace, the grace kiss of God. Do this and live, the law demands, but gives me neither feet nor hands. A sweeter word than this grace brings. It bids me fly, gives me wings. God wants to bless you today. He already has. But, you know, when we say God wants to bless you, what we're really saying is God wants you to figure out how much he's absolutely rocked your world with blessings. It's like, get it, get the picture. And when you get the picture, it's like, oh, he blessed me. Well, actually, yeah, he did when you, uh, you know, before you were even born. He called you. He chose you. He marked out your horizon, your destiny ahead of time. He predetermined that you would be his. You, he called you by grace. He equipped you, anointed you, filled you with the Holy Spirit. He cannot give you any more than what he's given you or it would threaten the Trinity. We'd have to call it a quartet. So you are blessed. Faith, hope, love. And this will be sweet 16 for you. Let's stand, please. Let me pray. Lord, help us to squeeze every blessing we can out of this year. That we would be full of faith for our family. Any marriage struggling in this room right now, paste faith over that stress. Faith, raw, right out of the can, GMO faith. And if there's anyone that feels hopeless, like you've been left out. Like, why am I, why am I single so long? Because he's reserving the best for you. It won't encourage you to hear this. But we had a, a wedding in our church of a woman never married. She finally got married at 90. <laughs> CNN came and filmed it. It hit, it hit headline news. Her name was Ruth Franz. She just passed away since we've been here. We got the news. Ruthie went to heaven. And she married a guy that worked in her company. <laughs> I said that wouldn't encourage you, but I thought I'd tell you anyway. 
So I covered faith, I covered hope, now love. God wants to overwhelm you with his love. That he loves you so much. He told me in heaven what he really loves about you. Everything. You have no clue. We had a taste last night, didn't we? We had a taste. It was, it was the nectar of heaven came upon us. The love kiss of God wrecked us. But that was still not but the beginning. This marvelous, extravagant love. Outrageous faith. Triumphant hope. Extravagant love. And this will be the most ridiculously fantastic year you have ever had. Bless, Lord, everyone in this house, everyone under 100 in this church. Bless them, God. Let them know the rich treasures that are in Christ. Colossians 2, verse 3, in him is hidden the treasures of wisdom and revelation. What a treasure chest we've been given, the golden secret of Psalm 16. We thank you for that golden psalm 16 for 2016 that tells us over and over the treasures we have, our inheritance, our portion, our cup, the pleasant places you've led us through. So bless this house. Bless the pastors, the elders, the leadership team, the sound team, the worship team, the servant team, the children's ministry, those who clean the building. Bless each one who prepares, uh, does the bookkeeping, that does the bulletin, the announcements, the media department. Lord, bless every person connected to this church. So much so that they will never doubt in 2016 your loving presence with them. So we leave our blessing. We leave our peace with you. We thank you. Lord Jesus, we thank you for letting us speak to this beautiful church.